Welcome to Coming Home with Julian Awad, where we discuss salvation through Jesus Christ, a production of Coming Home Ministries. It all started with a study on prayer, writing down my prayers, and then it went to writing down the prayers of others. Then I started asking them about their prayer requests. Then I started recording when the prayers were answered, no matter the outcome. I was building a record of interactions with God and from God. I was building a body of proof of God's excellent handiwork. I was building a memorial, a remembrance of God's faithfulness. It changed my life, and it changed how I prayed. Lord God, I want to thank you for this opportunity today. I want to pray that today, the time that we spend together reaches the people's hearts who are listening to this. And that, Lord, we remember the good works that you've done. Help us to always remember them to give thanks. We thank you right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. It wasn't so long ago, just a few years ago, that during a study on prayer, I began to pick up this habit of journaling and writing down the prayers. And it did start with me first. But as I began to focus on other people and to follow up with other people, I started noticing the difference of when I would follow up with people. They were shocked to see that I actually remembered or that I cared and followed up, which made me feel kind of shocked that, well, I'd never done it before. And how obvious it seemed like it was. I want to start to understand what this this concept meant. And I, I begin to think in the Bible and hear these different ideas in there about stones and about specifically memorial stones. And it came to mind that there were several stories in the Bible where stones had been erected and there had been memorials set up. One of those is in Joshua chapter 4, and um, it starts in verse 4. I just want to read it to you. It's the story of Joshua and um, the crossing of the Jordan. And it says in verse 4, And it came to pass, when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man for every tribe, and command them, saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. And you shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, cross over before the ark of of the Lord your God in the midst of the Jordan. And each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, what do these stones mean to you? And when you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan, And the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. Notice this is before they cross over. 
This is before they cross over that he's actually talking to everyone and reminding them of what's going to happen or, or in a, doing it in advance with faith. And the children of Israel did so. This is verse 8 continuing. Just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones from the midst of the Jordan and the Lord had spoken to Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel and carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and they laid them down there. Then Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood. And they are there to this day. And so the priests who bore the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. And the people hurried and crossed over. It was an incredible scene. What had happened was that they were going to cross over the, the, the Jordan and, and many of the people couldn't swim. I'd say probably most of them couldn't. And so they, the priests carried the ark into the Jordan and the waters raised up and stopped there and created a way for the people to get across. But those stones ended up being a memorial. Those stones ended up being a record of what God had done. That the children of the next few generations would say, what do these stones mean to you? I love that that final part of verse 7 where it says, and these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel to last forever. There was another example in, in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 7, verse 12. And it was the Philistines were coming against the um, the Israelites and they, they were scared. They called out. And it says that um, in verse 3, Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel saying, if you return to the Lord with all your hearts and then you put away your foreign gods and Ashtoreths from among you and prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve him only and he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. So the children of Israel put away the the Baals and the Ashtoreths and served the Lord God. And Samuel said, gather all Israel in Mizpah and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered together in Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord. And they fasted day um, during that day and, and said, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mizpah. There was repentance going on. So in verse 7, it continues and it says, Now when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered together at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. So the children of Israel said to to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it, as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried out to the Lord of Israel, uh, Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. Now, as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day, and so confused them that they were overcome by Israel. And the men of Israel went out to Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and drove them back as far as below Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and he set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. A couple of observations I had in there was, first, they were afraid. The people had a real problem. They were about to be attacked. 
And I want you to start to bring it back to your own life about times that you've been afraid or been had fear in your life. Times that you've had a real problem and you needed to call out to God for help. Because they did. And they asked God to intervene in their lives. God answered in a miraculous way. He's a faithful God when we call out to him. It was so interesting to, to look at this and look at the parallels in my own life. But I really, what I really loved was at the end when Samuel actually took a, a stone and set it up. And he dedicated that stone, made it a memorial. So that there would be a record of what God had done. So that he could say that thus far the Lord had helped us. A record of, of reminding people that when they called out that God was there to help them. Jacob did the same thing. Jacob was traveling, in fact, a bit lost at the time and end up having this incredible dream. He sees the ladder to heaven. And in Genesis 28 and verse 13, the dream continued and he said, and behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be the dust of the earth, be as the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stones that he had put at his head. He set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city had been loosed previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Jacob received a blessing in that dream, a promise from God. And he wanted to mark that as a memorial. It was something special to him. The Lord had come and, and brought something into his life. And God knew that God was a God of promises and that he was faithful to keep his promises. He wanted to mark that moment in his life. Declaring it Bethel, the place of God, the house of God. It's incredible because I'm not sure if you, you, you see the parallel or this, this coming. But did you know that we now today are the living stones of remembrance? Joshua made sure that the people of God built a memorial. Each one of their tribes 
to get a stone and put it there to show what God had done. Samuel wanted to mark that moment when the people cried out in the midst of a problem and God intervened on their behalf. When they asked God to save them from the challenges from the people, from the attacks that were going on. And Samuel marked that and named it so that they would always remember that. Ebenezer. And Jacob, when he had an encounter, an interaction with God, and God made promises to him, he wanted to write them down. He wanted to be able to keep track and and record it. And so he set a memorial stone to remember God's promises. And he made a vow himself. Whether we realize it or not, because of what God has now done in our lives, to give us the ability to enter into his presence personally through the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse us and to give us that ability to come into the throne room, into his presence. He has made us now living stones of remembrance. God has done a miraculous work in our own lives the same way that he did in all of these examples. He's come into our lives and transformed us, removed sin from our lives and made us blameless in his sight. And as a result of that, our lives have become stones of remembrance, living stones of remembrance. Peter, in 1 Peter, he, he, he wanted to explain this and make sure that people understood it. In chapter uh, 2, verse 5, he starts out, he says, You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We together are being built up to be a spiritual house, more than just a memorial, a stack of stones, but a cohesive group, collection, a spiritual house. We are collectively a holy priesthood in the midst of, of this world today. That's what he's saying in the midst of the world that we are the living stones. We are the remembrance of the good works of God that's happening today. And people should be able to see that in your life. They should be able to see the good work that God is doing. And it should spur them to ask questions. What's so different about you now? What caused this transformation? I used to know you when you were in high school or when you were in college or or before this life. And you were completely different. Why do you have so much peace in your life now? Why are you smiling all the time and full of joy? You don't seem to even be afraid of dying. It should stir those questions to others as they see these remembrance stones. And it should be a place that other people will know and be able to learn and and hear about that. You know, Jesus was and is called the cornerstone. The cornerstone or the foundational stone upon which a structure would be built. In fact, what Peter is mentioning, this spiritual house, that is built on the cornerstone of Christ. He is the cornerstone of this spiritual house that's being built. If we go back and read that whole section of chapter 2, Peter started in in chapter in verse 4 saying, Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, 
you also are living stones. He's, he's talking and relating us back to Christ. And we, we are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him. I'm going to say it again, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Jesus has made us as a people of remembrance of what God has done and is doing in the world today to reconcile his lost people to himself, bringing them out of darkness and into his mercy by his grace. And he is that chief cornerstone. He is that stone upon us as the living stones of remembrance are being built up upon together. So take a minute and stop and think. What miraculous things have you seen God do? in your life or in others? And how has God miraculously intervened in your life? In your family's life? In someone that you know? Where have you made some sort of physical change or outward symbol that has caused you to remember his might and his power in your life? Has it been in the way that you talk? The fact that you no longer cuss? The fact that sin is no longer appealing to you. That you want to flee from sin. Or maybe just in the way that you talk to your spouse or to your children. The way that you view life. What's important to you. That your priorities have changed. Think about the fact, the transformation that God does in our hearts. Or maybe he's healed you physically. Or he's healed someone else that you knew. Consider what, you, what God has done, not only in your life, but what he's been doing in others. And make a record for yourself. Make a record for yourself that you can show to others and to your children, to your children's children. Journal your prayers for others and follow up with those prayers. Follow up with those people to see what has happened and whether God has answered in the way that you thought or even in a different way. Write it down. Because it's going to change the way that you pray. And it's going to strengthen your faith. Your prayers will not just be focused on your daily needs and what you want. And the people you know, in your family and your job and prosperity. But your focus of your prayers will begin to give praises to God. You will begin to want to thank God. You will want to praise Him for the good things that He's doing in other people's lives. It's going to change your perspective in the way that you talk to God. 
You know, in Revelation, we are told that we overcome the accuser or overcome Satan by the blood of Jesus and the testimony, our testimonies. In Revelation 12, in verse 10, he says, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, that's Satan, who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. When the accuser comes into your life, what is your defense? How do you overcome the accuser who says you're no good? You're worthless. You have no purpose. You're not valuable. What do you do? It says here that it's by the blood of the lamb and by your testimony. You know, our record And our story of God working in our life is called a testimony. It is the truth of God's transformation in us. From lost sinners to children of God. It's the memorial of truth. And who is truth? Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth. So our testimony is the speaking out. The memorial and the remembrance of the truth's work in our life. It is truth. He is truth. And his work in our life is truth. And that's why the accuser can't come against the truth. He's a liar and has been a liar from the beginning. And when confronted with truth, he has to bow the knee to the truth of all of the universe. I want to end with a picture of what I imagined as I look at this long list of answered prayers I have in my, in my prayer journal, just from the last year, it's a list that's over 160 prayers long that have been answered by God. And almost all of them for other people. When I look at all of these, and it's not even part of the ones from the previous year. When I, when I look over all these answered prayers, that I've marked with a P as a praise to God. I'm overwhelmed with the memorial that I have started to make to the Lord. I'm overwhelmed by the fact that I can look back at this anytime and I know that God answers prayers, that we have proof, as one of my brothers, Freddie, said. He said, we have the proof right here. We have the proof that God answers prayers, that he is a glorious God. I imagine, and this is how I want to end today. I want to, want to take you to something that I imagine. I don't know that it did. But I can just imagine Joshua. One day after everything had settled down. And the people were back into the promised land. That he went back to visit that place where they crossed over the Jordan. And he saw the pile of the 12 stones, that memorial of what God had done for them. And he placed his hand on them. 
And he began to weep as he remembered the amazing work and the faithfulness of God. How he was obedient when God called him to do something in advance. And God was faithful. How God never left his people and always made a way. I can imagine Joshua placing his hand on there. Placing his hands on those stones to draw close to draw close to that, that moment and him falling on his knees and beginning to give thanks to God and worship him for the goodness and for being the God above all gods, the king of the universe, being the God that he needed, that we all need. Hallelujah. If you want to know this God that we're talking about, and you haven't given your life completely to Jesus and become a disciple of our Lord Jesus, why wait another moment? You know, he's waiting for you. And it would be my honor to share the gospel with you, that you might have a change in your heart today. You know, first, we have to always understand that we have to not only surrender our life to Jesus, but we have to understand that he's our Lord and he's our Savior from sin. It's written that no one is righteous, not one. That's in Romans chapter 3. And it continues and it says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You have to understand that and admit that you're a sinner to understand why you need a Savior. And we all do. God is calling all men and women to repentance. And that means not only to ask for forgiveness, but to turn around and go the other direction from your sins. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And he demonstrates this. He demonstrates his own love for us that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. He wants you just as you are today, right now. So turn your back on sin and call on Jesus to save you and trust in him for salvation. Not your good works, but you trust in him. Don't go and get cleaned up first. You trust in him for your salvation and let him clean you up. Because if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believed and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Just call out to God today in your heart. If you want to follow the Lord, but you don't know what to pray, Just repeat after me. God, I know that I'm a sinner and that the wages of sin is death. I believe that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, as a payment for my punishment. I declare that Jesus is my Lord and profess my faith for salvation through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Thank you for your grace, forgiveness, peace, and gift of eternal life. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, your next step is to dig into the Word of God. Get a physical Bible and download the Bible app on your phone. Read it every day without excuse. Look for a Bible-focused church to get connected with other believers that will help you grow in the Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Just fill my heart with your love and help me share it with my brother.
help me show them you're the one and beside you there's no other been a production of Coming Home Ministries. For more information or to reach us, go to cominghomeministries.net.